tell me all about it, Paul. Mm -hmm. Tell me how they put these boats together. Oh, yes. Well, let's get into it, shall we? Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. All right. Hello, brothers and sisters around the globe, and welcome to Book of Boredom, the podcast all about dissecting the Book of Mormon and Mormonism and having some laughs along the way. And I am your host, Brother Paul, and with me, as always, my eternal companion, Sister Patience. The one and only. Hi, Paul. How are you doing, Sister Patience? Oh, I'm doing pretty well, yeah. Now, have I not given you enough stuff to edit for this show? we got to go and record another episode this evening. I know. We were just recording yesterday with Rhonda, and it's yes. turning out really great in the edit. Excellent, excellent, which will be next week's episode for those listening, so stay tuned for that. We have a very unique chapter this week and next week. Two very important chapters in the Mormon lexicon. What we have is Nephi and his cronies building a boat to sail across to America, the promised land, and then inhabit America. And this is something the whole Book of Mormon depends on, because as we all know, according to the Mormons anyway, the Nephites became the ancestors of the Native Americans. So for Joseph Smith, these two chapters are pivotal to the whole story. If by any chance they couldn't build boats to sail to America, and if by any chance, the DNA evidence says that the Native Americans did not come from the Middle East. Well, this whole thing falls apart. And we can't have that now, can we? We can't have that, Paul. No, no. So let's put it all together so it doesn't fall apart. Let's put Humpty Dumpty back together again. That's it. That's Humpty it. Humpty Smitty. <laughs> and the other thing, of course, is this is a 55-verse fucking chapter. This one is so epic. <sighs> so Joseph <sighs> Smith really goes hardcore on this one. He, he forgot about his wives for a night or two. They were happy about that. Put his loins and his seed back in his pants, <laughs> and uh, he, he decided to really come up with a good adventure on this one. So let's have some fun with this. <laughs> so strap yourselves in. First Nephi chapter 17, and you want me to do the first five verses? Go for it, Paul. All right. Okay, let's go. Guess how it starts. And it came to pass? Yes! <laughs> that we did again take our journey into the wilderness, and we did travel nearly eastward from that time forth. And we did travel and wade through much affliction in the wilderness, and our women did bear children in the wilderness. Hmm. They were already in the... How much more wilderness do these guys want to go? And it was basically desert, Middle Eastern. I bet the women were really unhappy about this arrangement. I mean, mm. who wants to have kids in the wilderness? That doesn't sound good. Exactly. Now, imagine this guy. They've left Jerusalem and they're heading mostly east. Right. Let's put in Jerusalem to east coast because Jerusalem's more on the west of the Middle East, of course. So if you were to go from... I might bring up Google Earth on the other monitor. How far is it from Jerusalem to the east coast of the Middle East? Jerusalem to east coast. Here we go. Oh, no, that's luxury hotels. Do you want to book a luxury hotel in Jerusalem? Uh, only if it's with you, Paul. Oh, excellent. We'll make that our next holiday. <laughs> so there we go. So there's Jerusalem. Now, if they're heading mostly east... That would sort of put them around the Persian Gulf. So if we say Jerusalem to Persian Gulf, Bahrain, let's say Bahrain, okay? Bahrain is right on the coast there. So let's say we're going to go from Jerusalem to Bahrain just as a rough guide of this journey they could have taken. That would be a total of 1,884 kilometres, okay? Oh, my God, that's ages away. Do they end up in the Persian Gulf? Is that where they're going? 
they're going to a place called Bountiful. Now, the Mormons claim that this is near Salala. Jerusalem to Salala. Forget about Bahrain. We're going to Salala, Oman, okay? Right. There we go. That journey is roughly 3,770 kilometres. Jesus. If you were to walk it as they have, 767 hours is how long that would take. Roughly four and a half weeks it would take you to walk. Uh, Make a note of that. Four and a half weeks. Verse 2. And so great were the blessings of the Lord upon us that while we did live upon raw meat in the wilderness, our women did give plenty of suck for their children. (laughs) Plenty of suck. That the children are suckling and they're eating raw meat. Even like unto the men. They were strong like the men. Excellent. And they began to bear their journeyings without murmurings. Now, hang on. I'm taking a totally different meaning. Okay, so the first yeah. suck, yes, that was the children sucking on their tits. Okay, uh-huh. got that. And then it said, yay, even like unto the men. Is Joseph Smith saying that they also gave the suck unto the men? No, no, he's saying they were strong. So the women were strong like the men. Well, You can read it however you want, Paul, but I choose to read it. The women were giving it to the men too. That's all I'm saying. Nothing sus. Ah, okay, okay, okay. They were eating raw meat and the women were providing the drinks to go with the raw meat. The titty milk. That's right. Okay, that that works, that works. Okay. Okay, okay. Verse (laughs) 3. And thus we see that the commandments of God must be fulfilled and if it so be that the children of men keep the commandments of God, he does nourish them and strengthen them and provide means whereby they can accomplish the thing which he has commanded them. Wherefore, he did provide means for us while we did sojourn in the wilderness. <sighs> okay, and this is why I wanted to find out how long it takes them to get to where it is. And we did sojourn for the space of many years, yea, even eight years in the wilderness. Moses took 40 years to do just under 400 kilometers. <laughs> <laughs> So this is a record by the time. Verse 5, they had come to a land which we called bountiful because of its much fruit and also wild honey, and all of these things were prepared of the Lord that we might not perish, and we beheld the sea, which we called Uranium or Uranium. <laughs> Uranium. <laughs> mm. Which being interpreted is many waters. Okay. Oh, he loves his water, doesn't he? He always <laughs> has something weird to say about waters. Many waters. <laughs> so, so this is what I want to point out. Okay, so the Book of Mormon apologists have tried to say roughly where this bountiful place is, and they've said it's near a place called Salala, <laughs> which is in the country of Oman. So that's the real name, Salala, okay? Oh. As I just looked up, Jerusalem to Salala is roughly four and a half weeks walking. If you can make it. So we talked earlier when they went from Jerusalem to the first place they were hiding, we figured out they were moving super quickly, remember? Yeah. Because they were covering this distance in just three days. Now they've slowed down a little bit. What's that about? Instead of a month and a half to get to where they needed to go, which if they did it at the same speed that they travelled the three days earlier, they could have done it in like a week. Yeah. It took them eight fucking years. Ah, maybe God had to teach them some stuff along the way. According to the verse, they were all well behaved. They were (laughs) questioning things that they were doing well. The Lord was blessing them. 
they were doing just fine. You know, a few chapters ago, they had superhuman speed, and now they're moving in a snail's pace. Read into that what you will. You know, this place bountiful, the Mormons have tried to find it, and we get a bit of a description of it in the coming verses, so I'm not going to spoil anything. Read on and let's find out more about bountiful and this water of many waters. Alrighty, verse 6. And it came to pass that we did pitch our tents by the seashore, and notwithstanding, we had suffered many afflictions and much difficulty, yea, even so much that we cannot write them all. Oh, so keep telling us about how you can't write them all and fill up those plates, you dickhead. It's a bit passive-aggressive, really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I had such a hard time. I can't tell you about it, though, because it was just too hard. <laughs> Joseph Smith was just running out of stuff to say. He's yes. just not very creative. That's it. We were exceedingly rejoiced when we came to the seashore and we called the place bountiful because of its much fruit. Okay, so they're in a place close to the sea with much fruit. (laughs) Take note of that. Keep going. Oh, sounds nice. Mm. And it came to pass that after I, Nephi, had been in the land of Bountiful for the space of many years. Many days. Oh, many days. (laughs) Yeah, it's only days this time. Oh, it took them eight years to get there, but after just a few days. Yeah, the Lord wants something. What does he want? Oh, he's so impatient, and I respect that about him. The voice of the Lord came unto me, saying, Arise, and I don't mean in your pants, Mm -hmm. and get thee into the mountain. Oh, that's right. Nephi likes to go and hunt in the mountains, doesn't he? Yes, yes. Here's what I get. The Lord is talking to him where he is now. Yeah. Instead of just talking to him now, he's saying, go to the mountain so we can talk. Yeah, what does God need with a mountain? Yeah, why, why can't he just say, hey, Nephi, we need to have a chat. Grab a chair, let's talk. Okay, but again, bountiful. Lots of waters, it has fruit, and we know it has a nearby mountain. <laughs> All right. Okay, continue. And it came to pass that I arose and went up into the mountain and cried <laughs> <laughs> unto the Lord. Why is he crying? The Lord wants to talk to him. Ah, oh, Nephi's just such a pussy, isn't he? Yeah, uh, he tries to act all tough, but deep down he's a pussy. And it came to pass that the Lord spake unto me, saying, Thou shalt construct a ship after the manner which I shall show thee that I may carry thy people across these waters. Oh, you're shitting me. The ship will carry you across waters? That's usually what they're for. (laughs) And I said, Lord, whither shall I go that I may find ore to molten, that I may make tools to construct the ship after the manner which thou hast shown unto me. Okay, so he's already been shown. Yeah, that was very quick. No <laughs> blueprints, no, no engineering de- designs. He just said, yeah, kind of looks like this. Off you go. I bet God just beamed down an Ikea kit of some sort, just like what Rhonda was saying. And it came to pass that the Lord told me whither I should go to find ore that I might make tools. Okay, we're going to get into another interesting conversation now. So, verse 11. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, did make a bellows wherewith to blow the fire of the skins of beasts. And after I had made bellows that I might wherewith to blow the fire, I did smite two stones together that I might make a fire. For the Lord had hitherto suffered that we should make much fire as we journeyed in the wilderness. And my screensaver just came on. That's how long this passage is. Yes, I must remember to move the mouse 
while talking. For he said, I will make thy food become sweet that ye cook it not. Okay, so basically the Lord has given them meat that they don't have to cook for this whole journey. What are you to go, Lord? Huh. He's only just starting to make fire now. They didn't need to make fire before because the animals were just tasty. Ah, right. Okay, righto. Thank you, God. And I will also be your light in the wilderness, and I will prepare the way before you, if it so be that you shall keep my commandments. Wherefore, inasmuch as ye shall keep my commandments, ye shall be led towards the promised land. And ye shall know that it is me that ye are led. By me that ye are led. Okay. <laughs> Yea, and the Lord said also that after ye have arrived in the promised land, ye shall know that I, the Lord, am God, and that I, the Lord, did deliver you from destruction. Yea, that I did bring you out of the land of Jerusalem. Wherefore, I, Nephi, did strive to keep the commandments of the Lord, and I did exhort my brethren to faithfulness and diligence. Back over to you. And it came to pass that I did make tools of the ore, which I did molten out of the rock. Okay, it is time for us to take a quick divergence. Oh, please do. To discuss metallurgy. I can't wait. The art of making metals. Now, I did a bit of research on this, okay? Right. Humans have been making stuff with iron for a couple of thousand years by this point. So mm -hmm. no question that iron was around. However, the melting point of iron is... Drum roll, 1,538 degrees Celsius. That's pretty hot. That is very fucking hot. Now, he says that he just kind of got some bellows to blow the fire with and some rocks, okay? No. You need, in order to melt iron, you need so much coal <laughs> to burn a big refinery because you need something that can contain that much heat in a small area to melt this goddamn iron. Wow. Not just bellows. Right. You can't just go <laughs> with bellows and melt iron. Wow. So first problem with this whole boat building thing, yeah. you know, they would have had to cut down so many trees in order to make the coal in order to get the fire hot enough to make these tools. So no wonder, as we find out in the next verse, Nephi's brothers are laughing at him a little bit. Yeah, because he's not melting down anything. There is no way that a small group of people on a coastline in the middle of nowhere who have previously not made anything out of iron themselves could make something hot enough to be able to melt the iron. Plus, remember, they would have needed big shovels in order to dig into the ground to find the iron ore, and they didn't have shovels without making shovels out of iron. <laughs> so how do you make something hot enough to melt iron? Let me tell you, I have it right here. You melt the iron ore in a blast furnace, you burn out the carbon, and then you have to replace the carbon with another alloy element. You know, at that temperature, it becomes white hot. So it becomes so hot that you can't actually look at it with your eyes. You need special glasses. Ah, so he would have gone blind. Yes, unless he happened to have a set of welding goggles or something like that with him. They didn't have sunglasses in those days. Oh. So he must have just like turned his head to the side <laughs> while melting this ore or something like that. It's a pity too because he would have looked good in sunglasses. No doubt about it. He would have looked awesome. Because he's studly in every other way. Those sunglasses just would have added to the overall visage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Plus, he would have also needed to have moulds to pour the iron into to make the shapes of the tools. <laughs> In case I haven't made myself clear enough, there is no fucking way he could have melted ore to make tools to make the boats. Redundant right from the start. 
who hadn't even started on the boat itself, he could not make the tools to make the boat. Oh, Smitty, he really got himself caught up in knots there, didn't he? It's almost like he'd never been anywhere near a boat. Oh, of course. Verse 17. And when my brethren saw that I was about to build a ship, they began to murmur against me, saying, Our brother is a fool, for he thinketh that he can build a ship, semicolon. Yea, and he also thinketh that he can cross these great waters. And they were right. I'm sorry. And thus, my brethren did complain against me and were desirous that they might not labour, for they did not believe that I could build a ship. Neither would they believe that I was instructed of the Lord. Now let's remember as well what we're saying now also applies to our old friend Noah, who was an old age pensioner who also built a big boat. <laughs> what is it with old guys building boats? I know, with just their family to lean on. <laughs> Even Gibbs on NCIS builds a boat. Yeah. He's pretty fucking old. So, so let's keep learning about this boat making skill. All right. And now it came to pass that I, Niffy, was exceedingly sorrowful. <laughs> because of the hardness of their hearts. And now when they saw that I began to be sorrowful, they were glad in their hearts insomuch that they did rejoice over me, saying, we knew that ye could not construct a ship, for we knew that ye were lacking in judgment. Wherefore thou canst not accomplish so great a work. <laughs> I love that. Canst not. <laughs> canst not. That's a double negative, which means he can. Oh. It could have just been thou cannot accomplish, oh. but canst. Oh. So that's like cannot, cannot, cannot not. You cannot not do it, which means that you can do it. Unless canst doesn't actually mean can't. And I think... You may find it's a word we never hear again. Just one of those random new words that Jojo threw in there. Christy looked up digged from... Oh, digged from last week's episode, yeah. And in the past it was a word. It's an old word. It doesn't get used anymore. So uh... probably in Smitty's time it was a word. Uh... Well, in King James' time it was a word, but I don't know if in the 19th century when this was written. If... Probably not. Okay, but, yeah, it must be in the King James version of the Bible somewhere there then. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Mm. Well, thank you to Christy, our linguistics expert here at the Book of Autumn <laughs> podcast. She's very high definition, just like Rhonda. <laughs> they would get on very well. Excellent. <laughs> 20. And thou art like... Unto our father, led away by the foolish imaginations of his heart. Well, they weren't wrong. Mm. Yea, he hath led us out of the land of Jerusalem, and we have wandered in the wilderness these many years. I must say, though, it's these brothers' own fault that they followed their father into the wilderness. They keep complaining that they're there, but they could have just left at any time or stayed home. Uh-huh. And even now, it'd only take a month to go back if they want to. It took them eight years to get there somehow, but yeah, all they have to say is, you know what? We're not coming with you. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. yeah. Fuck yes. Yeah. They, they like to complain, but they don't do anything about it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And our women have toiled, being big with child. Oh, don't say that to them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they get no sex tonight for that one. <laughs> uh, they don't wait to be invited. They just take it, those fuckers. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. 
and they have borne children in the wilderness and suffered all things, save it were death, and it would have been better that they had died before they came out of Jerusalem than to have suffered these afflictions. That's a bit rude. Ah. The women came with us, had sex with us, and bore our children, ah. but they would have been better off dead. <laughs> That's a pretty dick thing to say. Have some fucking gratitude. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like saying we shouldn't have children, they should all be dead. Well, you know, it'd be better if they weren't born, but since they're here, you've got to look after them. I'm all for them complaining about Nephi being an idiot, but, you know, say that our wives would be better off dead than having children with us. <sighs> it's a bit too late for that, isn't it? Yeah, you should have thought of that yeah. before you fucked them. And married them. And forced them to come with you. I want to know how none of them had wives before they left for the wilderness. This is Judaism we're talking about. Saying that the poor wives have been hard done by, they took these daughters and their dad with them from Israel to marry them and have children with them. That was the whole purpose of bringing those particular women. <sighs> and now they're saying they would have been better off staying in Israel or dying. Why did you fucking take them with you then? Mm-hmm. Horny little bastards. They were just thinking we want to get laid tonight and didn't think any further beyond that. Mm. Yeah. Once again, <laughs> Mormon treatment of women. <laughs> but behold, these many years we have suffered in the wilderness, which time we might have enjoyed our possessions in the land of our inheritance. Yay! And we might have been happy. We are not happy, Nephi. <laughs> we are not happy, and it's your fault. And... We know that the people who were in the land of Jerusalem were a righteous people, for they kept the statutes and judgments of the Lord and all his commandments according to the law of Moses. Wherefore, we know that they are a righteous people, and our Father has judged them and hath led us away because we would hearken unto his words. Yea, and our brother is like unto him. After all this manner of language did my brethren murmur and complain against us. Okay, but again, they didn't put a sword next to their heads and say, you must come. They could have at any time not. Mm-hmm. Kind of weird. Yeah, okay. Classic spoiled children syndrome. They just blame their parents for everything. <laughs> so here we go. Nephi's about to get on his high horse here. So. Oh, no. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, spake unto them, saying, Do ye believe that our fathers, who were the children of Israel, would have been led away out of the hands of the Egyptians if they had not hearkened unto the words of the Lord? Yea, do ye suppose that they would have been led out of bondage if the Lord had not commanded Moses that he should lead them out of bondage? And there's an old Mormon movie I remember seeing with Nephi giving this whole spiel, so I'm trying to channel that. Was he really powerful and Moses-like? Yo, this was an almighty speech, this one. Oh. (laughs) Now ye know that the children of Israel were in bondage, and ye know that they were laden with tasks which were grievous to be borne. Wherefore ye know that it must needs be a good thing for them that they should be brought out of bondage. Oh my goodness, that's such a stupid sentence. Oh, are they all? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're back into bondage now, back into the BDSM stuff. What I want to know is, Mm -hmm. what story of enslavement of the Israelite people is he referring to from the Bible? Oh, Moses. It'd be a bit after that, wouldn't it? This is after Moses, yeah, so... Oh, but he's referring to Moses there. He's referring to Moses, yeah, and what happened with the Moses people. Right. How is, oh, how is that real? Oh, Jesus Christ. He's basically saying Dad is like Moses. He's just all over the place. You know, Moses led his people out. Dad is leading our people out. 
Oh, Jesus. Okay. Because Moses' name actually comes up in this next verse, as you are about to find out as you read it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now ye know that Moses was commanded of the Lord to do that great work, and ye know that by his word the waters of the Red Sea were divided hither and thither. Hither and thither. <laughs> Is that old chestnut? Sounds like Swedish twins. <laughs> These are my daughters, hither and thither. Have you ever had fun with hither and thither, Paul? Oh, Helga and Olga, yes. <laughs> hither and thither, not yet, but, you know, the, the, let's just say that'll happen. Was that at a backpackers in Mackay? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. It was two Germans, not Swedes, but anyway. Oh, okay. And they passed through on dry ground. But you know that the Egyptians were drowned in the Red Sea, who were the armies of Pharaoh. And ye also know that they were fed with the manna in the wilderness. Incidentally, there's absolutely no historical evidence that any armies of Pharaoh were ever drowned in the Red Sea. Yes, of course. And you'd think that'd be something that historians would write down, and the Egyptians were very, very literate. It would be one way of proving the Bible is true, because you could send a submarine down <laughs> and you would find hundreds and hundreds of human skeletons. Yeah. That would not be hard to find. They might have to drill for them now, but yeah. Yeah, that'd still be pretty easy to come across. You'd think so. Yeah, yeah, but no, nobody's done it. No. Faith. Mysterious ways, God, all that. <laughs> Yea, and ye also know that Moses, by his word, according to the power of God, which was in him, smote the rock, and there came forth water. Oh, he likes to smote his rock and have come forth. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't water. <laughs> that the children of Israel might quench their thirst. Uh, okay, we're getting very porno again here. I like uh -huh. this. And notwithstanding, they being led, the Lord their God, their Redeemer, going before them, leading them by day, and giving light unto them by night, doing all things for them which were expedient for man to receive, they hardened their hearts and blinded their minds, and reviled against Moses and against the true and living God. Ah, oh, so living, yes. so true. Yes. And it came to pass that according to his word, he did destroy them. <laughs> and according to his word, he did lead them. And according to his word, he did do all things for them. And there was not anything done, save it were by his word. <laughs> And after they had crossed the river Jordan, he did make them mighty unto the driving out of the children of the land, yea, unto the scattering them to destruction. And now, do ye suppose that the children of this land, who were in the land of promise, who were driven out by our fathers, do ye suppose that they were righteous? Behold, I say unto you, no! <laughs> do ye suppose that our fathers would have been choice than they, if they had been righteous? I say unto you, nay. Nay. Behold, the Lord esteemeth all flesh in one. He that is righteous is favoured of God. But behold, this people have rejected every word of God, and they were ripe in iniquity. Ripe! <laughs> and the fullness 
of the wrath of God was upon them, and the Lord did curse the land against them and bless it unto our fathers. Yea, he did curse it against them unto their destruction, and he did bless it unto our fathers, unto their obtaining power over it. This is where I go and sing. Yeah. <laughs> I love this vocalization thing you got going on. I've got to bring Nephi's word power to this powerful chapter because this was so commonly shared in church, you know, as an example of righteousness. How could you ever doubt God when he was able to do all these wonderful things that Nephi is talking about? <laughs> and with a powerful voice like that, I'm sure you make all the ladies quiver. Oh, if only. <laughs> any of our lady listeners are currently quivering, please feel free to message me via the Book of Boredom podcast webpage. <laughs> oh, I love it. Behold, the Lord hath created the earth that it should be inhabited. <laughs> and he hath created his children that they should possess it. And he raiseth up a righteous nation and destroyeth the nations of the wicked and he leadeth away the righteous into precious lands precious precious and the wicked he destroyeth and curseth the land unto them for their sakes yeah once again god is a dick he really is yeah, God is a dick, and he swings yeah. his big fucking dick all the way yeah, around. Yeah, he keeps dick-slapping all the bad people with it. Oh, he keeps dick-slapping the good people too. Yeah, good point. He just keeps dick-slapping people. Yeah. Dick-slaps Job, dick-slaps Satan. <laughs> He's a real prick. Anyway. We, we need to get him on the podcast sometime too. I, I, I was, was thinking that. I want to talk to him in person and try to get an idea of just what's going on in his head. Let's interview Satan. I think that's a great one. Get him on the Urim and Thummim. We will. Satan and God. Let's see if we can get them both on sometime. Oh, look, I'm sure they'd have a lot to talk about. I think they're best friends. I reckon they are. I think this is just like they've had a bet with each other. We're like their science experiment. They're just sitting back going, <laughs> let's see what we can make them do next. Yeah, we're like their reality TV show, like you've said before. Yeah, absolutely. He ruleth high in the heavens. For it is his throne, and this earth is his footstool. Well, again, that's a bit demeaning. I know, and he doth stomp all over it and chuck the footstool out the window. <laughs> We're only good enough for him to rest his feet on? God's feet, oh. Yeah. This is a dude that walks around all day just in sandals as well. I mean, they're, they're going to be some dirty, smelly feet. Got some divine tinea going on there. Ugh, that, that's it. We're like his footstool with like the, the salt water thing, you know, sort of dip his feet in <laughs> to help his tinea. <laughs> that's all he made us for is just to, you know, soothe his feet. If you pee on your feet in the shower, apparently you don't get tinea. Yeah, well, it doesn't say anything about God pissing on us, but uh, I wouldn't put it past him. Well, he kind of is just pissing on us endlessly, isn't he, really? Yeah, we know our worth now. We're just a footstool <laughs> covered in tinea. <laughs> and piss. <laughs> and he loveth those who will have him to be their God. Of course he does. Yeah, because he's a narcissist. 
That's it. Behold, he loved our fathers, and he covenanted with them, yea, even Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, that old chestnut. Mm. And he remembered the covenants which he had made, wherefore he did bring them out of the land of Egypt. Oh, what a good man. What a man, what a man. There's a couple of really cool phrases in this next verse. Strap yourself in. Oh, I'm strapped in. Did he say strap in or strap on? Ah! And he did straighten them in the wilderness with his rod. <laughs> it was a strap on. They didn't have little blue pills back then. They had to straighten it with a rod. <laughs> For they had in their hearts, even as ye have. And the Lord straightened them because of their iniquity. He sent fiery flying serpents among them. Flying fiery snakes. Detachable penis, Paul. <laughs> fiery snakes. Okay. Fiery flying serpents. It's not enough to just to be a snake and it's not enough to be flying. It has to be fiery as well. Maybe they had an STI. That's probably why. Because we all know that flying fiery snakes are totally something that exists. Oh, that must have looked so strange, except that it never actually happened. But if it had happened... It would be the scariest fucking animal ever. It'd be like a dragon or something. Yeah. <laughs> and after they were bitten, he prepared a way that they might be healed. That's straight from Moses' playbook. Yeah. Ah. God sends snakes to bite them and then says, Oh, I <laughs> got you good. There you go. Here's something to make you feel better. <laughs> and the labor which they had to perform was to look. And because of the simpleness of the way or the easiness of it, there were many who perished. Hmm? Huh? They were bitten by serpents. He prepared a way for them to be healed. And the labor which they had to perform was to look. And because of the simpleness of the way or the easiness of it, there were many who. What the fuck are you talking about, Joe? When this happened with Moses, mm. all they had to do was look at this serpent that was um, on a cross. It was like a, a figurine or something of a, s a serpent on a cross. No, no, wasn't Moses threw his staff on the ground and that turned into a serpent? Well, that happened too. Mm. But this was another time and if the children of Israel would look at that uh, raised up serpent on the stick, that they would be healed. Have you seen the medicine symbol that doctors have in their surgery sometimes? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually where we get that symbol from. Oh. Because they were healed. So it sounds like he's really ripping that off right down to having looked at something. Oh, okay, okay, all right. I, yeah. I, I didn't remember that part of the Moses story. But I'll have to look it up, see where it is. But yeah, no, no, now you mentioned it, that does sound familiar. Okay, okay. I will give you that Joey Jojo. Well, he's still plagiarising. He's not creative at all. No, Nephi is reminding his <laughs> brethren of the story. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. And they did harden their hearts from time to time, and they did revile against Moses and also against God. <laughs> Nevertheless, ye know that they were led forth by his matchless power into the land of promise. Oh. Matchless power. I'm beginning to think that whenever Joseph Smith says hearts, he really means penis. I think so, you know, hardening their penises with matchless power. I might just read it like that from now on. Whenever it says harden their hearts, I'm just going to say harden their penis. That works. Let's do that. All right. I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah. And now, after all these things, the time has come that ye have become wicked, yea, nearly unto ripeness. 
nearly had to write this. <laughs> What does a ripe, wicked person? What is a? <laughs> are you uh, ripe and wicked, uh... patience? Or are you wickedly ripe? And I know not, but they are at this day about to be destroyed. For I know that they must surely come; that they must be destroyed save a few only who shall be led into captivity. And wherefore the Lord commanded my father that he should depart into the wilderness. And the Jews also sought to take away his life. Yea, and ye also have sought to take away his life. Wherefore ye are murderers in your hearts, and ye are like unto them. (sighs) Ye are swift to do iniquity, but slow to remember the Lord your God. Ye have seen an angel, and he spake unto you, Yea, ye have heard his voice from time to time, and he hath spoken unto you in a still, small voice, but ye were past feeling, <laughs> that ye could not feel his words. Wherefore he has spoken unto you like unto the voice of thunder. <laughs> which did cause the earth to shake. Hang on. In one verse he's saying he spoke to them in a still small voice, <sighs> but then it's also the voice like thunder that could cause the earth to shake and divide us. So which one is it, Joseph? I don't think Joseph knows. Is it still and small or is it a big booming voice? <laughs> <laughs> Holy <fuck>. Consistency! <laughs> It's a still small voice, but it's big enough to divide the world. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. <laughs> All right, your turn. I, I, I'm, I'm getting so lost here. But, yeah. Yes. 46, and, come on. <laughs> and you also know that by the power of his almighty word, he can cause the earth that it shall pass away. Yea, and ye know that by his word he can cause the rough places to be made smooth. Oh, he's like a razor, is he? If this was a video podcast, everyone would see the incredibly confused look on my face right now. (laughs) Yes, you do look very confused. Jesus, I'm not even drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, where was I reading it from? Um, Uh, Oh, oh, shit. (laughs) Smooth, pl- smooth places, rough, rough places, smooth. That's, that, that, that's, that's, uh, uh what verse is it, Paul? <laughs> yeah, faith through 46. Uh, uh, oh, man, this is a doozy. <laughs> oh, where does it say? Ah, uh, oh, uh, yes, yes, because the rough places shall be made smooth. And smooth places shall be broken up. Oh, then, why is it that ye can be so hard in your penis, sis? Well, it sounds like a, a teen going through puberty. You know, the places that used to be smooth are now kind of rough, and the places that were rough are now kind of smooth. And, you know, we're breaking out in these weird zits, and we've got hair coming out of weird places. Yeah. He's describing puberty. And he writes like he's in puberty too. It's all just very jumbled, isn't it? Oh, such a confusing time. He writes like a kindergartner who's just like, <laughs> it's almost like he's got the thesaurus out. And he's just like, let's see how many interesting words I can throw in here. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Behold, my soul is rent with anguish because of you. If your soul is for rent <laughs> and you don't. Learn to buy. <laughs> you deserve nothing more than you get. Because nothing you have is really yours. 
Dido. Dido. I love Dido. Oh, uh. <laughs> oh shit. Where were we? Behold, your soul is for rent. That's right. <laughs> Behold, my soul is rent with anguish because of you and my heart is pained. I fear lest you shall be cast off forever. Behold, I am full of the Spirit of God in so much that my frame has no strength. Oh, his frame, so manly. The Spirit has made him weak. Oh, look, he's all spent, Paul. Plagiarising other people's work takes a lot of energy, you know. His heart has been hardened too many times in one day. There's a refractory period. God should know that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And if you have a hard heart, that means you've got a heart condition and the blood isn't circulating very well, so of course he's out of energy. He's probably high in cholesterol right now, eating all this meat. He needs Mm. some fucking veggies. Well, they've just come to a place with fruit, so... Oh, that's a good start. Yeah, have some fruit. Mm. You'll be fine. And now it came to pass that when I... I had spoken these words. They were angry with me. Of course they were. (laughs) And were desirous to throw me into the depths of the sea. And as they came forth to lay their hands upon me, I spake unto them, saying, In the name of the Almighty God, I command you that ye touch me not. Don't touch me. Can't touch this. Touch me not. For I am filled. Touch me not. With the power of God. Even unto (laughs) the consuming of flesh. Semen colon. (laughs) And whoso shall lay his hands upon me shall wither even as a dried reed. And he shall be as naught before the power of God. For God shall smite him. Smites. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, said unto them that they should murmur no more against their father, neither should they withhold their labour from me. For God hath commanded me that I should build a ship. Yes, we've established that. And I said unto them, oh, he keeps talking, does he? He didn't shut up. No, he's very verbose. Mm. And he likes to tell us that he's keeping very brief, but he's got the wrong perception. Mm. And a minute ago, he was so full of the spirit that he had no strength. (laughs) But now he clearly has strength enough to keep on talking. He's got a very short refractory period, Paul. Ah, he's like Wolverine. Oh, he's a machine. Oh, okay. What was that? <laughs> Preparator 2. Prep- <laughs> Nephi gets his strength back. Yes. <laughs> And I said unto them, if God had commanded me to do all things, I could do them. If he should command me that I should say unto this water, be thou earth, it should be earth. And if I should say it, it would be done. Hang on. He's saying here that he is strong enough in this faith in God that he could point to the ocean and say, be earth. Ah. And it will be Earth. Oh, why doesn't he do it then? Wouldn't need a ship then. Yeah, why is he building a boat? Why not just do that? <laughs> just say, hey, ocean, give us an island to walk across. It wouldn't be as good a story, though, would it? I, I don't know. I don't know. That's a pretty, you know. That is a good story, actually. He's going for stories that could not have been possible in the time anyway. Yeah. Why not just use magic? Yeah. Instead of saying, let's build a boat that would be impossible to build, why doesn't he even just say to the ocean, be Earth? And then they just walk across it. In fact, he wouldn't have had to walk across to America. He could have made an island in the middle of the Persian Gulf and just live there. 
Oh, but that's not the promised land. But it could have been. No, God prepared America. America is the promised land. America, <laughs> God damn it, America. Because the Garden of Eden <sighs> is in Missouri and I have to get back there. Oh, really? Yeah. Where in Missouri is the Garden of Eden? <laughs> it's... Um, so there's a place, I can't remember the name of the city in Missouri, but basically there was a short while during Joseph Smith's time where they lived in Missouri. Oh. He said that that was the promised land that the Lord had prepared for the Latter-day Saints to live in. And there was a place that he called Adam on Diamond, oh. which was supposedly not the Garden of Eden itself, but the place where Adam and Eve went to after they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. Oh, oh, okay. But somewhere in Missouri was the Garden of Eden. Oh, so even he didn't know where it was. He only knew where they were cast out from. Oh, he knew. He just couldn't tell us. That was all about faith. Oh. Yeah. So if he knew where it was, he would have been able to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and live forever. No, no, because it was gone by then. The Lord took it away. But it doesn't say that in the Bible. It just says it was guarded by an angel. Stop picking holes in the story. <laughs> All right. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yes, one of the Mormon teachings from Joseph Smith was that, yes, the Garden of Eden was in Missouri, <laughs> and when Jesus comes back, before Jesus comes back, one of the signs of the second coming is the church is going to move its headquarters from Salt Lake City to Missouri. Oh. And when that happens, that's a sign that Jesus is close by. And when Jesus comes to earth, he will have two capital cities. Okay. Oh, two capitals. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, you know, in Revelations it talks about, you know, the kingdom of God being established in Jerusalem. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. But he'll also have a capital city in Missouri. Oh. <laughs> and one of them will be where he looks after the spiritual things and the other one will be where he looks after the temporal things. Ah, oh, temporal things. Yes, yes, because, you know, Jesus couldn't possibly look after all that stuff from one place. Oh, it's too much for him. Yes. He's not God's son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so again, it's just Joseph Smith working on the whole America thing, you know. It's like, hey, oh. Missouri is going to be more important than Jerusalem once Jesus comes back because we're his chosen land. <laughs> but I digress. We've still got a few more verses here. We're nearly finished. Yeah, I'm excited. I know. Let's see what else Nephi has to say now. Mm-hmm. Because he obviously didn't have enough faith to just turn the water to land and walk across, even though he said he could. Take us home, Paul. And now, if the Lord has such great power and has wrought so many miracles among the children of men, how is it that he cannot instruct me to build a ship? Hmm. Because God is a dick and he wants you to sail rather than walk. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, said many things unto my brethren, insomuch that they were confounded and could not contend against me. Neither durst they <laughs> lay their hands upon me. There's our old Fred Durst again. Yeah. <laughs> Keep rolling, rolling, rolling. Come on! Nor touch me with their fingers. Ooh. Ooh. Even for the space of many days. Now they durst not do this lest they should wither before me. So powerful was the Spirit of God, and thus it had wrought upon them. And it came to pass that the Lord said unto me, Stretch forth thine hand unto thy brethren, and they shall not wither before thee, but I will shock them, saith Ooh. the Lord. And this will I do, that they may know that I am the Lord their God. By shocking them. Yeah, and it came to pass, oh, I just had a fly hit me right in the eye, you little bastard. It must have been God, because that was a shock. Yeah, I've just been smoted. God is a fly. When a fly hits your eye like a big pizza pie, <laughs> that's, that's a smiting. Yahweh. <laughs>
And it came to pass that I stretched forth my hand unto my brethren, and they did not wither before me, but the Lord did shake them, even according to the word which he had spoken. And now they said, We know of a surety that the Lord is with thee, for we know that it is the power of the Lord that has shaken us. And they fell down before me and were about to worship me. But I would not suffer them, saying, I am thy brother, yea, even thy younger brother. Wherefore, worship the Lord thy God, and honour thy father and thy mother, and thy days may be long, and the land which the Lord thy God shall give thee. Hmm. A few questions here. Yes. These guys have been shitting on Nephi for years. Yeah. God has only just now said, okay, Nephi, I'm going to help and prove to them that I am talking to you yeah. by shocking them. Why hasn't he done this earlier? I know, right? And why doesn't he do it again? Like, it doesn't happen ever again in this whole damn book. Oh, it seems quite fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? God should shock more often. He should, he should. Why not do this more often? Shock and awe, shock and awe, Paul. Oh, I love a bit of shock and awe. <laughs> what is this, WWE? <laughs> We've had hither and thither and shock and awe working together. <laughs> that That's a porno in itself there. Okay, let's talk about boats for a second because mm -hmm. they're about to build boats and in the next chapter we learn that they finish building these boats. It takes them a couple of years. Mm. So we talked about how it would have been impossible for him to make the iron yeah. in order to build the boats. But let's overlook that for a second. Let's look at the boats themselves, okay? What would it take for this man to build a boat that could take them from the east coast of the Middle East near Oman over to America, land of the brave, home of the free? Huh. We've already established he could not possibly have made the tools that he talked about in order to make the boat. But let's move on to the next one. Now, the boat that they depict him as building had a keeled hull, okay, which is a round hull. Ah, oh, there's pictures in the Book of Mormon? Yeah. Ah. Oh. The Mormons always depicted as being like a sailboat. Oh. For him to build it, they would have had to build it on land, which means they would have had to build a dock first to put the boat on because you can't just build a boat on land and then have a few people push it. Right, yeah. Okay, through sand and stuff. So they would have had to build a dry dock with some rollers and things like that in order to slide the boat into the water. So the keel would have needed to be round because that's the only way boats can move through thick oceans is with a rounded keel. So here's something to ponder. Some blokes recently built a replica of Viking boat, which had been very similar in size and structure. With modern tools and equipment, it took 40,000 man hours to build. Whoa! Nephi, with just his, you know, four or five or six brothers or whatever, did this in a couple of years, okay? Hmm. Now, the keel, for anybody who knows anything about boats, you know, like the bottom of the boat is the keel and it's round. In order to make a keel, if you need a big, massively long, porous piece of wood that you would then need to steam to soften it, and then you need about 40 to 50 men to bend it. Mm. They would have needed a massive steam room to soften the wood, to bend the wood, to make the boat. Okay. Then sails. They needed sails to go over across the ocean. So they would have needed lots and lots of wool to make the ropes. And then he would have needed lots of skin to make the sails. Here's the thing. They would have needed about a sail of about 100 square meters to get them across the Pacific Ocean to America. For every square meter, you need two fleeces of sheep. So basically two sheep per square meter. So he would have needed 200 sheep just to make a sail. Do you think there was 200 sheep just kind of floating around the wilderness in the Middle East? I don't know. Did they cultivate herds during that eight 
years somehow. But they were moving. They were walking for the eight years. Yeah. Yeah, so something else to think there. Just a handful of men needing to build these tools, steam the wood, put the boat together, kill sheep, shear 200 sheep using hand shears, Mm. and then more sheep for the rope, and then animal skin bellows, and then the sheep, before they killed them, would have needed to be fed, watered, pastured, and grown, everything like that. Once they killed the sheep, took the fleeces, they had to have a storage area so that the skins wouldn't rot. So it's starting to seem a little bit impossible. It's a big operation for such a small people group. Yes, exactly. Exactly. See, I told you I did research for this episode. I'm feeling very proud of myself. You've been excited about this episode for a few weeks now. I know, but it's something I've been wanting to debunk for ages. Now, we, we spoke about food earlier when they left Jerusalem. They, they took what they described as seeds of every kind, and we established that. Oh, that's right. Wheat seeds alone would have needed to be about 180 kilos worth. <laughs> and actually, that was for one year. Okay, These guys have been out here for eight fucking years, which means they would have needed close to 900 kilos just of wheat (laughs) because they didn't plant any along the way. (laughs) Going back to the guys that built the Viking longboat, yeah, 40,000 man hours, and they were professional boat builders with modern tools and everything pre-cut and pre-sourced. Yet Nephi's family, who had never seen the ocean before, (laughs) you know, with less than 10 people, built this boat in a couple of years. In case you hadn't sort of caught on, there is no way that these people could have built this boat. Yeah. Forget the amount of food and fresh water they would have needed to take. It took them about six months, apparently, to sail across the ocean. So they would have needed six months' worth of fresh water and things to store the water in. Six months' worth of food. They couldn't set fire on the boat to cook the food, so they would have needed non-perishable food. Uh-huh. Yet a couple of million people in the world right now believe this actually happened. And didn't they go to America the longer way around? No, no, they would have gone straight from the Middle East across the Pacific Ocean to America. Well, I'm just looking at that on Google Maps now. Mm-hmm. And to me, that seems longer than going west up into the Mediterranean Sea and out that way. It would have been quicker. Because what side of America did they land on? Well, they landed on the west coast. So they've gone from the east coast of the Middle East, say Africa, across to the west coast of America. Yes, that's the quickest way. Is it? Well, the Suez Canal didn't exist back then so to go the other way they would have had to sail south around the bottom of africa and then and then up right okay okay yeah because the mediterranean can't yeah yeah see these days they go through the mediterranean and hit the suez canal which of course was made famous just a few weeks ago when that boat decided it wanted to uh do a u-turn or something in the middle of it i still wonder though would it have been quicker to go down around the bottom of south africa and then back up to America. But anyway, it's a very long way. Apparently they did it in six months. I don't know how long it takes to sail that far, but that could take six months on a sailboat. Sounds like it would take about four and a half years to build. They only did it in a couple. Right. (laughs) Okay. Because if you look at it, okay, this chapter here, yeah, it's set between apparently 591 to 589 BC. So it only took them two years. (laughs) For just a handful of people to raise 200 Uh... sheep for sails, kill 200 sheep for sails, build a boat that takes modern man hours, 40,000 man hours, and get everything they would have needed to grow and cultivate food there to then load onto the boats. Yeah, totally believable in two years. Absolutely. And also fend off against their enemies and keep themselves fed at the same time. 
Exactly, exactly. And how many people does Nephi say actually got onto those boats? Because his tribe would be a bit bigger by now. He does say something kiss that, but you think you got Lehi, Sariah, then they end up having the six sons. Two of those sons were born in the wilderness, so they wouldn't, wouldn't have wives yet. They'd still be young themselves. But the four older sons had wives, so that brings us to 10, 12 people. It says there were sons of Ishmael, but again, it doesn't say how many. And then they all had children. So we're looking at adults, what, 15 to 20, depending? And then all the kids. And these areas would have been populated, especially on the coastline. That I don't know. I don't know how populated the area was at the time. I mean, the book kind of gives you the impression that there's like Jerusalem and then nothing else. But of course, we know the book isn't accurate. So that's horseshit. I mean, this is the Persian Gulf. This is the cradle of humanity almost. And if this land they found had as much fruit and mountains and vegetation as they say it did, then of course other people would have been there. Yeah. Because vegetation and fruit and ocean is what attracts people. So yeah, you're right. That's one thing I never thought of. There had to have been other people around at this time. And they were like, hey, guys, why? Why do you keep stealing our sheep? And there must be some archaeological evidence of all of this horse shit, some ruins we can look at um, no. from where they took off from. No. <laughs> but you also think how many trees it would have needed to have been to build a boat. Oh, yeah. And they would have needed precision saws to perfectly cut each plank of wood to the right dimensions and size and everything like that. And this is from a guy who was stymied when his bow broke. Exactly. Exactly. So once again, in case you have any doubt as to what my point is here, this could not have fucking happened. (laughs) Yeah. So many Mormons will be like, no, Nephi was a hero. Look at what God helped him to do. Just like Noah, 400-year-old man who built the boat all by himself, God helped him. Oh, that was very informative, Paul. That's very interesting. I can't promise this level of research into every episode, but... Ah, oh, look, he's so hard to research because it's not real. But like I said, because the next couple of chapters are so pivotal in the story, you know, like it all hinges on could Nephi and his family have sailed to America and could they have populated it and become what is now the Native Americans? And the answer is no. It is impossible. It could not have happened. And, and, believe it or not, not only could it not have happened, it didn't happen <laughs> because of everything. No archaeological evidence whatsoever. No DNA evidence whatsoever. Nothing. Nothing. It's all fake. Yeah, now we know it didn't because of DNA. It's almost the same answer that you can give about evolution now when people say, well, I just don't believe that happened. It's like, well, now we know that your creation story didn't happen and we know that we evolved because we have proof. There is more evidence for evolution than any other scientific theory in existence except for maybe gravity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it is. There is no doubt whatsoever that life on Earth evolved over billions of years. But no, we'll believe that a few people built a boat and sailed across the, uh, the oceans. Yeah, why not? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, anyways, and scene. And scene. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of exhausted this evening after this. That is a deep dive, okay? That is, yeah. And it was a good compressed deep dive. You got it all in there, and it's only an hour 22 minutes in, Paul. I'm very proud of our efforts. I'm, I'm glad that we took this little journey this evening. You're an icon. You're a leader. Yeah, yeah, I'm a giver. (laughs) I don't do this for me. I do this for all of you out there. 
Well, I think on that note, it's probably time for us to have us some rest because I've been so full of the spirit this evening that my body is weary. Yes. Well, uh, take your burning bosom to bed and uh, look after yourself. You take your burning bosoms. I'm going to take my iron rod and seed. That's right. And yep. uh, ha- have, a, have a rest. Okay. Yep. Get that refractory period. Yeah. Yeah. And we will talk again soon. <laughs> and to everyone at home, as always, thank you for listening. <laughs> and again, if this was a video podcast, you'd see that I'm waving to you all because that's how much I care. We might have to start doing that. Yeah. Wee. Rhonda was thinking that maybe video podcast might make us some money. A lot more work, though. Mm, we'll think about it. Anyways, everybody, thank you as always for listening. And until next week, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Thanks, Brother Paul. Thank you, Sister Patience.